Jesus' name, amen. I was just thinking, too, that I'm thankful for, um, you know, we pray for safety on trips, and we had a good trip with my folks and got home again, and I know, you know, Marvin's were gone, and um, you all were gone, too, and, yeah. and the youth are gone, a bunch of the youth are gone this weekend, and we can thank the Lord for these opportunities and for safety in travel. Um, I have a, I'm still wrestling with this one a little bit. I, I did a study this week and <clears throat> felt like I had a direction at 8.30 this morning. It was time to get ready to head for church and kind of shift gears a bit. And I feel like I'm not supposed to preach it. And I'm like, well, is this just a from the enemy trying to say, no, you know, I want to shut this down? Or is this the Holy Spirit? And so in thinking through that, and then I'm sitting here, um, I, well, one of the persons involved is here. Maybe I'll talk to him. <laughs> and... So I talked to Alex a bit, but you know, with Robert's leaving and Emery's leaving, you know, previous to that, and Stephen Cayley not coming anymore, you know, the question gets asked, what's happening? And as we walk through, there's been a lot of talking going on, which is good, and <clears throat> I feel that in this passage I was looking at, there's some insight into how we get discernment. And the thing that I'm wrestling with is in Matthew 18, there's a, if you believe that there's sin involved, there's a process, right? And it feels a little bit like this got brought to the church but I still don't have to go there. But I'll say this, that it got brought to the church, it got put in front of us because of Robert's leaving. Now, I might be wrong on that, but that's how it feels to me. Um, there has been talking, there has been repentance, there has been, um, I feel, um, some of these steps being taken. But maybe we're, so what I'm, the thing I'm, I'll just be honest, the thing I'm wrestling with is that, are we at the point to talk about this as a group yet, or is there still some work that needs done? Well, maybe both. You know, maybe it's, maybe it's both. Because I know that we're all saying, what's going on? And one thing in this is, you know, be in prayer, for sure. Um, <clears throat> And if there truly is repentance, in Matthew 18, it talks about um, if there's repentance, then the process can stop, you know, right there between the two. You know, if there's two people go together and they, they have something against, you know, one was sinned against, or maybe it went both ways, and they get that worked out, then it doesn't have to come to the church. I think that this topic also, 
I thought, you know, I could just stand up here and say, well, maybe this study was for me because it really did impact me. Um, but I don't believe it's just for me. Um, and, and the study is slander and evil speaking. Um, we all can get caught in it. We probably all have at some point. And so I think it's an appropriate topic. Now, how does it relate to this? I, um, I'm willing to be questioned on anything. Alex said he is too. We're willing to talk. Robert is open to that too. Um, <clears throat> and I think there's, I was on the phone with a few, few people this week, um, one of them being Dave Slayball. I know he had been here before. He knows Robert. Um, really enjoyed visiting with him. He had some good advice. Um, and so I really think that the next step is some, you know, maybe getting together with a third party and, and talking. And I think there's some, some progress that can be made. If there is, in these situations, what we tend to do is to point the finger and say, they did this. When what we see God telling us to do is, in humbleness, say, what was my part? Um, and as only then, Matthew 7 is where I want to go today, but Matthew 7 says, only then can I see clearly to help my brother with the little thing, the little speck that's in his life, if I'm willing to deal with the big thing in my life. But what we tend to do is, you know, we kind of look like, oh, yeah, I got a problem, and I might open the door just a little bit, like, nope, that looks too bad, I'm not dealing with that, and we shut the door again. And then what we do by keeping that door shut, we're always focusing on everybody else's problems because if they get their problems fixed, then I'd be all right. And it's not true. Um, <clears throat> one thing that this has done for me too is seeing that when these things are going on between us, that it's not something to let go. You know, I can say, well, that's between them. They're adults. They'll get it figured out. Well, it doesn't always work that way, and sometimes people need help. Um, and so to take in Scripture, if we are, we are told that complaining, um, Evil speaking, slander, um, all the, these things are sin. Now, if I, if I believe that there truly is sin in my brother's life, what is the loving thing to do? What am I told to do? I'm told to go and bring it up with him, right? I'm not told to go and bring it up with Joshua. You know, if I have something against the other Joshua. I'm supposed to go to him. I'm not supposed to go to you. 
But what we often do is we go to someone else to see if I got support. Like, do you agree with me? You know, this is a problem. That's not what we're supposed to do. <clears throat> and what I see has happened and has brought destruction is this thing of we talk to our best friend or who we think is our best friend at the moment and we don't go to the person that we really should be going to. Why don't we go? Maybe my case isn't as strong as I say that it is. And so then we say, no, I'm not going to go. And that has happened to me. I've seen, I say, well, okay, so do you have evidence? Well, then let's go talk to them. Well, no, I'm not quite ready to do that. And looking back, what I would do is I was like, no, this is serious. If you are bringing this up with me, then something needs to be done, whether that's you going or I go with you, or if you've already done all that, then it needs to come to the church because this stuff festers. And then all of a sudden, something, the top blows off. <laughs> and, every, and people that aren't involved say, what happened? Um, well, turn with me to Matthew 7. Oh, I wanted to say, too, before I forget here, um, one of the men that texted me this week was Phil Petrie, who is a pastor down in Oklahoma, where the Pates moved to. And he said, I'd like to talk sometime. And so until we finally got schedules figured out, I talked to him Friday night. And he's coming through. Jesse's coming up on May 2nd. Phil's coming through, and Vern's going to fly in. So you'd be praying about that because um, Jesse asked to meet on like 3 o'clock on Tuesday afternoon in a week. And so I see that as progress. You know, because some of the things that happened, you know, I can go, I'm not sure I'm ready for this, right? But the truth of the matter is, is if, if I do that, then I am stopping the process of reconciliation or the possibility of reconciliation and what is the loving thing to do. <clears throat> so be praying for that. So it feels like, to me, that there has been a lot happening. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's a good thing. It's, um, so Matthew 7. Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the moat out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the moat out of thy brother's eye. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn again, and rend you. I'd like to stop there in that first section. <clears throat> Judge not, that ye be not judged. What is the difference? You know, he goes on here, and then in verse 6 he says, give not that which is holy unto the dogs. Well, okay, so what is judgment and what is discernment? Because I'm supposed to know not to give this precious thing 
to the pigs, to the dogs, to someone who is just going to tramp it in the mud. Um, so how do we discern? And yet we're told not to judge. And <clears throat> what is judging? We've got to ask that question. You know, we often, I think, often we, you know, in talking through issues and talking about people, we say, well, I need to discern the situation, right? I need to figure this out. And we do. There is a call for that. But how do I do that? And <clears throat> one thing is don't treat rumors as facts. If I treat rumors as facts, I'm judging um, presumptuously. Don't judge the motives of others. You know, we've, we've talked about, that. well, I walked into church, and um, this has happened to me too, and this person didn't talk to me. They looked at me, but they didn't say hi, or they didn't shake my hand. And, and then what do we do? We judge their motive. We say, oh, they did that on purpose. They don't. They have something against me when... Maybe they're having appendicitis attack that you don't know about. <laughs> you know? I mean, there can be, there's all kinds of things that be, can be going on in that person's life. They just had very disappointing news. And see, I'm judging their motive. I'm, I'm telling myself a story. There is one thing that has impacted me recently is thinking about, you know, when we see something happen um, or we hear, Let's say I got a phone call and says, hey, I want to take you out for coffee. And right away, I have an emotion or a feeling of happiness. And I say, hey, I'll be right there. Is that what happens? Something happens, you get a feeling, and you say, that person called me and wants to go for coffee. And I feel happy about that because I enjoy being, being with them and visiting with them. But there's something that I've done right in here. What did I do right in here before I had that feeling? And we often don't recognize this, that something else happened. What happened in between this stimulus and my feeling. We told ourselves a story. So if the person that's calling me, I don't really want to see, my feeling would be different, wouldn't it? And I wouldn't really want to follow through on the action to go have coffee with them. What made the difference to my feeling? It's the story I told myself. And that happens in a nanosecond, and we don't recognize it. Scripture says to take every thought captive. Every single thought. This is the thought right here that we need to take captive. 
because it affects our feelings, and then it's going to affect what we act on. <clears throat> Am I going to allow my relationships to be lost based on assumptions? That's why this matters so much, because the stories I tell myself end up either building relationships or tearing down relationships. So if there's something that the story is true and it's not good, then I should do something about it. I should see if I can change the story. Now, we can't always. We can't always change the story. But that's our goal, is to reconcile, to change that story. <clears throat> Take every thought captive. Don't judge others based on motives that we don't know, assumptions we've made about their motives. Don't judge hypocritically. You know, ignoring the major flaws in my life, and I'm going to pick on all your flaws. And <clears throat> so don't judge. We talked about that in Sunday school. You know, David sinned, and Nathan came to him and told him a story. And David's, didn't David say that man needs to die? And yet Nathan said, you're that man. There was a big beam in David's eye, and he couldn't see. I'm sitting there thinking, how could David not see that Nathan was talking about him? But we'll see that here is we don't have discernment if we have a big beam in our eye. We don't have eyesight. Um, it's not there. Don't judge hastily or rashly. I've had that happen. You know, something happens. Someone tells you their side of the story, and you're like, yep, this is what needs to happen. You know, the hammer needs to fall. And then the next day you hear another perspective on the story, and like, oh, I'm glad I didn't say anything yet. You know, don't judge hastily. Get the facts. John 7.24 says, don't judge by appearance. <clears throat> Many are destroyed by this type of judgment. We can say, well, this person always sits back there like this. So they must really be in trouble. You know, I need to reach out to them. And maybe, maybe that's true. But go find out. Don't judge just by appearance. Don't judge unwarrantedly. Make sure there's, there's a good reason. Some things scripture is silent about, and we need to be careful how we judge others based on that, on those things. <clears throat> Don't judge unfairly. Consider all the facts. What is my motivation? I need to be fair with them. <clears throat> Do I want to see them walk in victory? There is... 
Turn with me to Romans 14. Romans 14 talks about judging. And <clears throat> Christian liberty. He starts out the chapter, Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. And let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. So if we go back to motives of the heart, if today... I am saying, God, I'm following you 100%. And yet you see me doing something that God has shown you that you're not supposed to do. And you say, how can Dave be doing that and be following God 100%? Well, maybe God's going to show it to me tomorrow. And then I have a decision to make. Am I still going to follow God 100%? Or am I going to only be 90% today? And so... If you're down the road with God in this thing farther than I am, you know, it could be easy to say, hey, he's only following God 50%. Come on, you need to step up to the plate. You need to be 100% when maybe I should turn this around. But, but maybe I am following God 100%. And... We need to realize that about each other. You know, that there's a maturing, there's a walk with God, there's growth that happens, there's, and yet we tend to judge based on appearance, based on our own experience, where, what God has asked us to do. Um, it, there's a verse down here I wanted to get to um, where it talks about um, you know, God is the judge. Maybe verse 10. But why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For as it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. <clears throat> you know, there's something that happened Monday night, and I think I shared this with the men, but <clears throat> when Robert said he's leaving, there was a, a, a conviction from God in my heart that, you know what, there's some things that I've been a little bit lazy on because maybe I'm just like, well, Robert will take care of that. I'm not talking about things that I, that, of doing, but more in the spirit. You know, I... But I was convicted that, hey, I was getting a little bit lazy. And I thought, you know, <clears throat> I hate to think of it this way, but maybe God had to use that to wake me up a little bit. And, um, <clears throat> but to realize each one of us is going to stand before Christ. We're going to be judged for how we answered him, not for what you're not going to be judged, Marlon, for what I thought of what you should be doing. 
Because if you're following God 100%, Christ is going to judge you on that, not on what I thought. Joshua, you brought up spiritual gifts. And I think that does help us to understand one another and not judge. Because we say, you know what? Okay, so that's your spiritual gift. That's your motivation. That's what drives you. At the end of the day, you can go to sleep and say, I did my job. Where I'm looking at it saying, he missed it because he didn't do my job. (laughs) But I think it helps bring understanding. Um, It's part of this thing of, Learning to not judge wrongly. Our ultimate goal is not to get people to change their behavior. Our ultimate goal is to get them to follow Christ. What constitutes sinful slander? I mean, this thing of controlling the tongue is a big subject, and I think someone spoke to it a month or so ago. Someone spent a lot of time on that. But but we are told there's many places in the New Testament to control our speech, to speak evil of no man, lay aside all evil speaking. It's 1 Peter 2.1. What is sinful slander? Defamatory statements injurious to the reputation or well-being of a person. Gossip is rumor or talk of a personal, sensational, or intimate nature. Backbite, to speak spitefully. So here you get that, there's vengeance in it. I want to get them back for something they did to me. Um, Or I want to be king. I want to be in control. And is all talking about people who are not present gossip? Is all talking about people who are not present gossip? No, you're shaking your head. No, that's right. Um, simply talking about someone who's not present is not necessarily sinful. Um, I mean, Jesus told people how great John the Baptist was. Peter told Christians in Jerusalem about the conversion of Cornelius. So these are good things, right? They're talking about good things. Um, and we often do similar things, and we know it's not wrong. You know, oh, did you hear that so-and-so bought a new car? Or, you know, we talk about newsy things. So is it wrong and sinful to tell unfavorable and uncomplimentary things? Is that just always wrong? No, that's not always wrong either. Um, These things, I I thought, I'm just going to go down through these things because these are where we often struggle to know. Can I talk, or did I talk too much, or what's good to talk? In Matthew 15, Jesus had finished rebuking the Pharisees. So he had been talking with them. His disciples were there. And his disciples came to him and said, you offended the Pharisees. 
And they were no longer there. But Jesus proceeded to warn his disciples about the errors of the Pharisees. So evidently, it's okay to warn, even though that person is not present. They were all involved. The disciples had been there. Um, Matthew 20, Jesus took his disciples aside and told them that the chief priests and scribes would kill him. These men were obviously not present. They probably wanted to be. They wanted to kill him. But Jesus said, hey, this is what's going to happen. Paul told the Christians in Galatia, in Galatians 2.11, about the sin Peter had committed in Antioch. And Bible writers recorded various sins and even named the people and the groups. Um, and they were not present. So there's a right way to go about it. There are situations in the Bible in which the Bible commands us to tell people about bad things other people have done. Um, Matthew 18 is one of those. Um, if a Christian sins and will not repent, we are commanded to tell the church. Um, I think the situation we're in right now, I feel like there is a repentant attitude in all parties. And that's why I was like, do I bring it up? But I feel like I needed to. Um, I think we're at that place where we need to have some healthy talking about it. So what is sinful slander? You know, if it's okay to talk about difficult things, um, and we talked about that already, what, is, what makes it judgment? Um, do I know that it's true? Because if, it, if I don't know that it's true, I, I need to go and do some research um, before... And definitely don't pass it along. If I, if I circulate a false report that someone else started, am I free from guilt? You know, we could say, well, I don't know if this is true, but I heard. <laughs> we don't want to be doing things like that. Um, if I need to find out if something's true, we need to follow it through to the finish. Um, and that's where we often drop the ball. It's like, well, I vented, I got it off my chest, and I go on fine, but the person I talk to now is stewing on it. And so if someone comes to you and does that and vents, what's an answer that, what, what can you answer them? How, what, what can be your reply? Because what do you need to find out? You need to find out if they know that it's true, right? And if they don't know if it's true, then say, hey, you want to go with me? And let's go find out. That will shut down. They probably won't come gossip to you again. Because it's like, well, I'm not sure I want to go talk to that person. Um, but yeah, just have, let's go find out if it's true. And they say, well, um, yeah, I'm not sure. Well, that might be your answer right there. But that is the thing. If a report is true and there's sin involved, then yeah, it needs to be taken care of. Let's, let's follow it through. Um, but if it's not true, then let's shut it down. And, uh, and if we don't know, we need to find out. And if they're embarrassed to go find out, then it shows that they probably shouldn't have been talking. 1 Timothy 5.19 says, Do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses. Why is that? 
because you need to know if it's true. You can't just have one person going around bad-mouthing all kinds of people. <clears throat> First Timothy 6.4, one of the sins listed is reviling or speaking evil, evil suspicions, evil surmisings. Um, Proverbs 24.28, do not be a witness against your neighbor without cause. So you've got to make sure it's true. It is not always wrong to speak against someone, but there must be adequate cause first. Matthew 18, 16, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Evil speaking can reveal malicious motives. Psalm 41, 5 to 7, David's enemies spoke against him, seeking to hurt him. We see that all through the Psalms, where his enemies wanted to bring him down. They, um, one thing that we can get stuck in, too, it often leads to, to death. I'm trying to remember where David... It's an example of David when one of his friends died. It was a king. And he sent a delegation over to give his respects to the king's son. The king's son said, oh, David's sent his men to spy out the land. He's using this opportunity to spy out the land. That wasn't it at all. David loved that man's father and heard that he died. And he sent that evil surmising about David's motives started a big war. And thousands and thousands and thousands of men were slaughtered, not of David's men. It says he sent his, his um, mighty men out there and they slew all of the enemies. They, this, this other king had hired men to come and fight. But that evil surmising caused a lot of death. And it will do the same today. <clears throat> Often evil surmisings are a result of jealousy, vengeance and anger, self-will, Evil surmisings also happen um, in persecution. That's when it's against us as believers. You know, where the world says, oh, they're going to do this. We need to get rid of them. And so they, they stick Christians in jail or they kill them. Or, um, <clears throat> it is a, a tactic of the enemy. Some simply enjoy meddling in the personal affairs of others and spreading the dirt around. 2 Thessalonians 3.11 um, says some refused to work but became busybodies. If you find yourself always kind of involved in these situations and talking about other people, get busy with something. <laughs> it says that we should work instead of being busybodies. When others do wrong, we should be sorrowing and helping them to get to victory, not running around talking about them. <clears throat> okay, here, I was trying to find that story. It's in 2 Samuel 10, but David sent his servants to comfort the king of Ammon. And um, the king's advisors slandered the servants. 
<clears throat> this one, kind of hard-hitting slander, demonstrates that we have the character of Satan. In 1 Timothy 3.11, the wives of elders and deacons must not be slanderers. And the word for slanderer here is the same word as devil. Devil means slander or false accuser. And we know that Satan, the devil, is the false accuser of the brethren, the accuser of the brethren. I did not realize it's the same word <laughs> that is used there for slanderer. Slander causes the one who is guilty to lose his eternal reward. Romans 1.30 says that backbiters are worthy of death, and so are people who approve of others who practice it. <clears throat> Romans. I'll just read that in Romans 1. It's the end of the chapter. But verse 30 starts out, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. So in this long list, and I, there's actually a verse before that, unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers. So there's just a long list here. And then in verse 32, he says, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death. So these, this is one of the things that's worthy of death. Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. This is very serious. <clears throat> we are told to limit our association with people who are Persistent slanderers. First, that's in 1 Corinthians 5.11. We are to withdraw from some, uh, someone who continues to slander. I think I'll leave that for now and go on in the rest of the chapter here in Matthew 7. I want to look at the next words after this section on do not judge. You know, and we're coming to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And so to put that in perspective, Jesus is wrapping up. And so how do we discern? We're not to judge wrongly, but we are to discern how do we know if I'm casting pearls before swine? I think one way to find out is to say, you know, would you, would you be interested in another perspective? Or, you know, to be curious, would you, um, you know, maybe someone that we don't know or we're having a, um, a discussion with, so would you like to know what God thinks about astrology? You know, you ask questions, and if they're totally close to it, you move on, you know, maybe. But you need to discern. You know, part of discerning, I think, is asking good questions. But then the very next verse, verse 7, it says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. And this, the tense of this, of these verbs, 
is to keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Have we all done that perfectly? <laughs> I haven't. You know, it's like, oh, something's big today, and I'll ask God, you know, pray about it. And then I'll go a week, and all of a sudden I realize, you know what, whatever happened with that? I didn't pray about it again. Pray again. God is, Jesus was saying here to keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. And I think what that does for us, part of it, one thing it does, I know that it does for me, is it keeps my focus where it needs to be. I'm not, you know, getting distracted, thinking about how I can go fix someone else. But Lord, I need discernment. Lord, give us our daily bread today. Lord, but, you know, keep, keep on. Don't give up. For everyone that asks receives, he that seeks finds, and to him that knocks it shall be opened. And then, then he says, what man is there among you if his son asks bread will give him a stone? I love this here because, again, right away he goes into saying, comparing our heavenly father to an earthly, a good earthly father who gives good gifts and saying that's what he's like. You have a papa. You can ask. <clears throat> so if we, being evil, we're not perfect, we are imperfect fathers, parents, if we know how to give good gifts to, to our children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? So he's taking our view of our earthly father and saying, that's not complete enough. Our heavenly father is way above that. Someone that's higher than us. Someone who does it perfectly. <clears throat> keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. And then verse 13. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. I think this is interesting that he puts this at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. If we'd read through this whole, these three chapters, and then you come to that, you'd be saying, yeah, it is a narrow way. But what's the world say today? Anybody can come, you know? There's many paths. You can do it however you feel led. And that's not what it's saying here. If the Holy Spirit tells us to do something, um, we need to do that. It's a, it's a narrow gate. God, to stay at 100% with him, I need to be walking with him and following his leading. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree brings forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that brings not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast in the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. So the way is narrow, and we need to walk in truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
And we see the life brought out there in verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. <clears throat> Then he closes with the um, example of the two houses. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. So here, at the closing of his teaching, I think it talks about hypocrisy, right? I need to not be a hypocrite in these matters. I need to, what I hear, I need to go do. In verse 24 there, he says, Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, is a wise man. Hearing and doing. Which foundation am I on? Am I on the foundation of only hearing? Because when the test comes, it's going to get blown away. Or am I on the foundation of hearing and doing? And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. I think that would have been astonishing to sit there and hear this sermon. Read through the Sermon on the Mount and ask, am I doing this? I hear it, I've heard it all my life, I've heard it again today, a part of it. Um, am I doing this? May God bless us in that and give us strength.